Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, oh, that more people would learn that time, <laughs> Jesus help me tonight, <laughs> a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, and believe it or not, there's a time to hate. And then he said there's a time of war and a time of peace. And so last week we gave the title, A Time of War. And tonight we're just going to call this part two time of war. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you ask the Lord to help me tonight? I really do need the touch of God. I need it desperately. Let's, let's pray. Let's talk to God together. name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together one more time. Let's give God some praise tonight. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I really don't want to spend a lot of time in review because what I'm going to talk about tonight is really not, um, it's not necessary that, that we even connect it really in a lot of ways to the things that I said last week. Nevertheless, because I'm calling it part two, I will just remind you of a few things. I began by showing you that according to the scripture, there is a season for everything. There is a time for every purpose. But there is a harvest time. There is a planting time. And the writer concludes with this list of dichotomies 
by saying that there is a time of war and a time of peace. None of us like to think of a time of war. We all hope for and pray for and desire peace. At least we should. I have met a few people in my life that the psalmist said, I guess I should have gotten this verse together, but the psalmist made a statement. Uh, he said, you know, I, uh, I am for peace, but they are for war. Seems like the more I want peace, the angrier they get. And I have met a few folks like that in my 63 years on this earth. It didn't matter how much you tried to rectify, no matter how much you tried to make them happy. War was the only thing they understood. But there is, as much as I want peace, as much as I desire peace, I do recognize that sometimes there really is a time of war. That time of war not only exists, but it is sometimes in the perfect plan of God. God ordains certain times to be a time of war. And in the same way that you can't reap when it's time to plant, so you'll never have peace when it's time for war. You have to recognize the season and adapt. Well, praise God. During the time for war, we've got to equip ourselves. And my friend, we've got to do battle. I want to tell you when spiritual warfare is raging, there is no demilitarized zone. There is no neutral ground. There is no safe place. When war is raging, it is kill or be killed. We have to get ready. We have to prepare ourselves. That's why, as I pointed out to you, the Apostle Paul told us to take on the whole armor of God. Don't just take a part of it. Don't just look through that list and say, well, my feet are shod and I got on my helmet. Know a little bit about the sword. That's not enough. And can I tell you, even with the whole armor of God, if you'll look at it, there is no protection for your back. There is none. The moment you turn around and turn your back, you become easy prey for the enemy. You have to fight them head on. Now, I, 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 you know, I stressed this last week, but let me just, again, before I get into the part of the lesson I want to deal with tonight, saints, listen, it doesn't matter how much you don't want to get involved in war. When war's going on, you are involved. And you might think that you can just sit back and, and, and just, you know, 
coast through the time. But I promise you it's not going to happen. Because the moment the devil sees you at ease, that's when he's going to hit you with everything he's got. So the best thing you can do is recognize, all right, it's wartime. I'm going to hit my knees. I'm going to fast. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to strengthen myself and prepare myself because it's, it's either kill or be killed. And I don't plan on dying. So I'm going to take the enemy down if there's any way possible. Then we talked about how we know when the time of war is on us. We looked at scriptural precedent. We found three times when it seemed like, according to the Old Testament, the enemy loved to come in and attack attack the people of God. One was during the sowing season. When they're out there planting seed, the devil didn't want the seed to be planted in the first place. So he did everything he could to stop the seed from ever ever reaching that place of depth and ever being able to germinate. And he does the same thing with the church. We get out there and start knocking doors, just get ready, honey. Get ready for the devil to show his ugly face. It's going to happen. You think you can go out and hand out a few church cards and come in and just have a great Holy Ghost hoedown? It's not going to work that way. You start inviting people to church and the devil's going to do his best to knock the wind out of your sails. Pull the rug out from under your feet. Whatever metaphor or allegory you want to use, he's going to try to get you flat of your back before it's over. He doesn't want you planting any seeds. And then, and then the the enemy would attack Israel when it was harvest time. If There were seeds planted. He didn't want them to be able to reap any of the benefits of the work they had done. And you can watch that happen. And I've watched it happen through the years. In my 40 years of pastoring, I've watched it time and again. As soon as we start praying people through, and it's not... It's not unique to this church. It just happens. As soon as you start praying people through, the devil shows up. And he does what he can. He wants to make the saints mad at each other. He wants there to be a a misunderstanding among people. He wants them to get upset at something the pastor said. Whatever he can do to distract from people praying through so that we start fighting one another and thereby drop our defense and he can just come in and slaughter who he wants to slaughter. In fact, unfortunately, sometimes we do it for him. So they attack at harvest time. And then they, the enemy would attack at threshing time. We talked about threshing is when they would, they would beat those grains. And they would winnow them. And they'd get rid of the chaff and they'd purify it. And we, we liken that to once you're trying to establish people in the church. You start preaching about holiness and separation. And the devil doesn't like that. That's a spiritual thrashing that's going on. It's a purification process that's happening. And the devil hates it. 
And he's going to make you misunderstand what's being said behind the pulpit or think the pastor's just got you in his sights and he's just trying to, trying to do something to bring you down. And I saw the way he looked at me when he said that. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, you don't really know where my eyes are pointing. Because, you know, I've tried. There's times I've tried to motion for somebody, hey, come here, come here. And about three or four people down, down the rows would say, me? You don't know where my eyes are looking. Unless you're sitting in one spot and there's nobody else anywhere around. And even then, I'm probably not looking at you. I really, through the years, have tried to train myself to avoid eye contact while I'm preaching as much as possible. I just... I've heard other men say you need to make eye contact. And maybe, maybe that's why I'm no more successful than I am. Maybe I need to learn to do that. But I just, I, I just don't want people to have that uh, tool to be able to say, well, Pastor, you were looking right at me when you said that. Uh, I can almost guarantee I wasn't. And even if I was, I've got such a one-track mind. I really do. And you, you, can, you can ask my wife if you don't believe me. She'll go home and say, did you see such and such? Huh? When did that happen? I, I, I am so oblivious. When I'm preaching, I've got one thing on my mind, and that's to deliver what's on my heart. And I'm telling you, it takes something to get me sidetracked. Now, once you do, then I'm on that track. And it's hard to get the train back where it belongs. And it's getting worse the older I get. But I'm back on track right now. So the enemy attacks at the threshing time. We, we just have to simply, and this is where we concluded last week, we, we just got to develop this attitude that says we're not going to give in. We are going to fight until we have the victory. We're going to pull down strongholds. We're going to overthrow the seat of Satan. We're going to bind the enemy with chains and fetters of iron. There's something that's got to rise up in us that says the church means too much to me. My loved ones mean too much to me. My soul means too much to me. I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. I'm going to fight until I win. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. church I'm telling you I said last week we're in war but I'm going to also let you know we're winning I said we're winning whether the devil wants to admit it or not we're winning we are still on top he's still under our feet I will not concede. I'm not going to concede. We are 
I'm telling you, even tonight as the Holy Ghost started moving, I started looking around. And, and I said, you know what? This is the sign of a healthy church. I watched some of you without me saying anything. You slipped over and started praying for somebody else. I thought that's a sign of a healthy church. You care about your brothers. You care about your sisters. You're concerned about what others are going through. You might have problems of your own, but you're looking out for somebody else. That's the sign of a healthy church. Devil, we're winning. We're making progress. We are in a place right now spiritually I don't think we've ever been in. But we're there now, thank God. And we're going forward. We're going to dig even deeper this year. We're going to see even greater glories this year. We're going to ascend to higher heights this year. This church is on the rise. We're through crying over spilt milk. We're tired of complaining about what once was. We're looking at the open door that God has set before us. And we're fighting every adversary. But we're going through it. We're going to make progress. We are going to make progress. progress and we're going to continue to make progress well hallelujah I'm going to tell you it's an exciting time to be a part of the truth church it's an exciting time to be a part of the truth church There's a battle going on, but that just means we're doing something right. If we weren't fighting the devil, then we'd be on his side. So the very fact that, yeah, yeah, I know some of you are struggling. Some of you have got some real battles going on right now. I'm well aware, and I am not trying to make light of it. I'm just telling you there's a reason why. It's because it's a time of war. So strengthen your backbone. The Bible said quit you like men. And that doesn't mean stop. That word quit means to uh, equip yourself. Prepare yourself. It's time. It's time for us just to make up our mind. Well, pastor, I just keep falling. I understand. The Bible said a righteous man falleth seven times. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. But don't let the devil keep you down. My, my, my dad, B.C., before Christ. My dad loved, now in the South, we called it wrestling. Wrestling. Uh, up, up here, 
you would call it wrestling. But, but down south it was wrestling. And my dad loved wrestling. And uh, man, he'd sit in front of that boob tube and watch that wrestling, you know. Couldn't wait for that to come on. Even took us one time to see it live and in person. It, it, almost, it, it almost just got him off of that bandwagon altogether because once you see it in person, you recognize just how fake it really is. You know, they didn't have all the cuts the TV could do and they all the, you know, oh, I missed that. I didn't really land on him that time and then come back and cut it in there, you know, and didn't have all that when you're watching it live. But regardless of all that, there was something that I learned. And the key to winning was you just keep getting up. You only lose when you stay down. But as long as you can get up, the fight's not over. You don't have to be stronger than your opponent. You just got to outlast him. Like somebody told me about two guys out camping and they heard a bear, looked out and they saw this huge grizzly coming their way. One of the guys reached back in his tent and got his best pair of Nikes. And his friend said, what in the world are you doing? You can't outrun that bear. He said, I don't have to. I just got to outrun you. I'm going to tell you, you just got to stay ahead. You got to stay ahead. Don't give up. You fall down, fine. In fact, I'll tell you, really, a professional, whether it's boxing, wrestling, whatever it is, a professional knows sometimes it's a benefit to just lay there. Just get up before the count's over. Sometimes you just lay there and rest for as long as you can. Let them get as close to the end of the count as necessary and then get back up. So just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. I'm appealing to somebody today. Don't start screaming uncle. Don't start yelling I'm done. Don't wave the white flag. Just get back up. Come on, you're on the winning side. Stay with the church of the living God. You're on the winning side. mercy well hallelujah I said I didn't want to make a part three to this and I still hadn't even touched what I wanted to get to Well, hallelujah. I, 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 in 15 minutes, I can't do this in 15 minutes. It's not possible. Not for me. 
I mean, I can just sit, have you sit down, and I can just read it to you, I guess. I, you know, I can get through in 15 minutes that way, but I don't think I want to do that, and I don't think you want me to do that. I didn't intend to get off into all of this again tonight, but I, I do think that this is a necessary part of, of what I talked about last week, because last week we just notified you it's wartime, but tonight I want to notify you we're winning the war. Be encouraged, child of God. Even if your life is not where it needs to be right now, even if things are not the way you want them to be right now, be encouraged. You're a part of a victorious church. And you're going to reap the benefits as long as you stay with the church. You're going to get to enjoy the victories that we win. You may not have the strength to fight them yourself, but your brothers and sisters are in here and they're fighting for you and they're fighting with you and they're going to see to it, amen, that you make it across the finish line. Jesus! I'm telling you that during a time of war, we need one another more than at any other time. Time of peace, we might be able to make it disconnected and separated, but during a time of war, we got to get together. We got to stay together. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you watch the animal kingdom and you see the way that the predators work. They they might find a herd of wildebeest and those things are mean. They don't try to take them on as a herd. They're just going to work their way in and try to get one off by himself. And if they can get one off by himself, they can take that loner down. And you hear me, child of God, that's exactly what the devil wants to happen to you. He wants you to isolate yourself from everyone else. Because if he can isolate you, he's going to plague you with depression. He's going to plague you with discouragement. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. I'm telling you, if he can get you off to yourself, then he's got you right where he wants you. But if you'll join yourself to this army of God, if you get in here and let your brothers and sisters help you fight, I'm telling you, there are not enough devils in hell to bring the church down. There's not enough devils in hell to bring the church down. I guess I need to read a scripture at least, don't I? 
I, I, I got to quit here in just a minute. But this is not in my notes, so get your Bible, brother. Golf, we're going to work you out real good since you're going to bail out on us. We're going to just make sure we really work you out good before now. Man. Get for me Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, would you? And this is a familiar verse of Scripture, but there's just one little thing in here that I'm afraid sometimes we fail to see. Read for me, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I say unto thee, say unto thee that thou art, Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail, shall against, not prevail it. against it. He didn't say, Peter, the gates of hell won't prevail against you. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The pronoun it refers back to the church. He said I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So you want to know how you keep hell from prevailing against you? You stay in the church. The church can't lose. The church cannot be destroyed. The church cannot go down so if you want to be victorious stay in the church oh Jesus alright I am not going to try to deal with what I wanted to deal with tonight and I make no apologies for that. But last week, I gave you my closing. I skipped the part that I thought I was going to teach tonight and went right to the closing. So tonight, I felt like I got another closing. So here I am about to give you that one. So I don't know what I'm going to do when I get back for part three. But I felt this for tonight. So... This will probably be my first in closing. Joshua chapter 14. This is in your notes. Joshua chapter 14. And read for me verses 6 through 12. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, the son of the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite, say unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. I won't miss that voice when it's gone. Can we just FaceTime you during church and have you read scriptures? Read. Forty years old was I when Moses, the son of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Uh -huh. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, uh -huh. and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Right. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. And he said, These forty and five years, even since, ever since, even since, the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day 
as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Uh-huh. Now, therefore, now give me therefore, this mountain. Give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest me in that day how the Anakins were come here, were, here, were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I just felt like I wanted to say tonight, this is what's got to happen. We got to get a Caleb spirit. Get our eyes on the mountain God promised us. Lord, it's been more than 20 years. But I'm as strong right now as I've ever been. I'm as determined right now as I've ever been. Give me this mountain. Come on, somebody. We've got promises from God. You've got loved ones God told you were going to be saved. Don't give up on that. You look at that mountain one more time. Caleb said it's going to take a fight. The Anakims were giants. But I'm willing to take on the giants to get my mountain. I'll take them on if that's what it takes, if that's what's required of me. But I want my mountain, and I want it now. That's what I'm calling for at the Truth Church tonight, is for somebody to get it in their spirit to say, we got some mountains to conquer. We got some giants to bring down. So Caleb had a determination in his heart. I believed God 45 years ago. And I still believe God, he said. You just turned me loose on those giants. I'm not sitting here waiting on them to come to me. I'm going after them. That's my inheritance they've got. And I intend to take it. I'm determined, Joshua. And so what happened as a result of that determination? Verse 13. And Joshua blessed him. Joshua blessed him. And gave unto Caleb. And gave unto Caleb. Son of Jephunneh. Uh-huh. Hebron for an inheritance. And Joshua gave him the mountain he was asking for. Joshua said, you want it? It's yours, old friend. You can go take what you want. And Caleb did exactly that. Oh, I'm preaching to the truth church tonight. Let's get our eyes on the promises of God once again. Let's refresh those promises and let's go after them. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's seek God. Let's bind together. Let's do whatever we got to do. But give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Musicians come. I've got to quit. Lord have mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. 
I'm telling you, Jericho's walls are coming down. We may have suffered a defeat or two like AI, but we're going to conquer it before it's over with. This army's going forward. This army is victorious. Well, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Is there anybody in the house that's willing to pray, God, give me the spirit of Caleb? God, let me set my heart on the promises and go after them whatever it takes. Come on, let's talk to God right now. Let's talk to God right now.